You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Today on the show, we have, well, how do you begin to announce the legendary Bruce Buffer? This man is the veteran voice of the UFC octagon, and he's announced the biggest names in the sport, from Conor McGregor to Ronda Rousey to John Jones, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre. He shared the ring and space with all of these guys, and he's here today to give us the biggest lessons he's learned in life from these successful people, and also his secrets to achieving your dreams because when he set out on his dream to become an announcer, there was no real blueprint for success. There was no path to follow. So Bruce really had to create the path for those who came behind him. So this is an absolutely phenomenal conversation and very valuable. So guys, there's not much else I can say other than it's time. Bruce Buffer... Welcome to the Freedom Pack podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. I want to dive into your, your story. So you dreamt of being an announcer and you did things to get a foot in the door like fight management. But can you tell me about when you got that call, that first call for UFC 10, the moment you'd been waiting for? What did that mean to you in that moment and how did it come about? You know, I had originally gone down to UFC 8 in Bayamon, Puerto Rico in 1996, and I had a fighter, you know, I, like you said, managing, but I wasn't interested in managing fighters. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's a great job. But my focus was more on the uh, what I wanted was to be standing center octagon and developing my career and helping build the UFC brand. So I brought my fighter down, as you know, in the first fight, I announced the prelims, and then I kept asking for the job because I come from the theory of thought. You have to ask for the job. If you want something, you ask for it. And I would stop off in New York, you know, take him out to drinks, do whatever, where their offices were, calling him, getting on him. Finally, I got a call and I was in the hospital with my mom who had a serious operation at the time. And she was recovering the day after. And the call came in saying, we need you in Alabama in two days to announce all of UFC 10. And I'm like, well, I'd love to, you know, that's what I'm waiting for. But I, I'm sitting here with my mother in the hospital and I'll call you back because I've got some serious stuff going on right now. And few words were exchanged. I hung up the phone and my mom looked at me and I thought she was asleep. And she said, that's the call you've been waiting for, isn't it? You know? And I said, yeah, it is mom. She goes, go, you gotta go. And it was just like a scene. I've said this before in interviews, but it was a scene like out of Rocky, you know, when his wife is suffering, she's pregnant she goes into a coma, you know, she doesn't want him to fight, doesn't want him to train. And then she wakes up and looks at him, realizes this is what he wants, what he's dreaming of. And she says, win, right? Wow. Same thing. So I ran out to Alabama, did the show, came back, um, thought I did a good job. Obviously, it's a lot different than the way I announced today. You know, everything's an evolutionary process. And um, I uh, di didn't get the call to come back to the next show. They hired somebody else. And it was a friend of the producers. And that's fine. You know, he had a good voice, a little nervous in the service, screwing up a few names. And it gave me more fodder to call back and repitch myself. And eventually, about six months or so later, I got a call from uh, the owner saying that Warner Brothers wanted to check 
and get audio and uh, pictures of me because they wanted a real announcer to play the role of the Octagon announcer in the uh, show they were doing on Friends, the famous TV show, um, which was the ultimate champion that had Tank Abbott and Big John McCarthy and me on co-starring as myself because they gave me the job and I used that as a bartering tool with the owner of the UFC saying, look, finally, I'm on the, or finally you're on getting huge publicity. You're on one of the biggest shows, if not the biggest comedy on TV. I'm co-starring as myself. Let's stop screwing around. I feel like a girl waiting to be asked to the prom. You know, it's like I'm standing against the wall. I'm not going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you one more time. We either do this and I grow with you as the announcer, help you build this brand and we create history together. Or bye-bye. I got other things to do. Best poker hand I ever played. And I announced every single UFC for the next probably 15 years until or so until they brought in a backup announcer um, to fill in a couple of them to fill in for me when I couldn't be physically be in two places at one time. And now it's a good thing too, because there's so many shows and they want to rest me, but I don't rest. I'll go do a NASCAR event or I'll do a big sporting event or maybe I will rest. It depends, but I love being in the octagon. That's my office. So when they hired someone else, a lot of people in your position might have just given up there and you know, thought, okay, it didn't play out the way uh, I wanted it to. Is that something that's always been in you, where you just, you know, you don't take no for an answer, and you just you go after what you want because you have that passion for it? Yeah, that's the that's the key is to have the passion for it. I always tell everybody, if you're gonna when to make money in life, the greatest and perfect scenario, one of them is to find your passion. And if your passion can, if you can monetize your passion then you're going to be much better equipped to deal with the negatives along with the positives, the failures along with the successes. And like Rocky said, when you get knocked down, get up and move forward, punching harder than ever. And yes, the answer to your question is yes, that's who I am. That's I've always been that way. Yeah. And you, you are an absolute workhorse. You've, you've torn two ACLs. You're traveling up and down the country worldwide. You're a real yeah. road dog, man. So what is it that keeps you grinding? What is it that goes, you know, I'm not going to rest. Is it just that passion for what you do? And, and how important do you think that it is to love what we do in life? Well, it is a passion for what I do. It's my respect for the fighters that I announce. It's the enjoyment of who I work for. It's the uh, love of the great fans around the world. The UFC are the greatest fans in the world because the show's not about me. It's about the fighters and it's about the entertainment for the fans. And this is the, this is the role that I picked. This is the, the path that I chose. And when you pick a path, and you step on that path, as I say at the end of my podcast, you got to be equipped to be the best you can be and do, your, do the best job you can because then you're winning. Now, if you become the best at what you do or make the most money at what you do or whatever the, the positive you know, results are, then you're winning even more. So yes, it's, it involves passion. And quite frankly, if I can't go after something with that attitude, then I don't want to do it. There's no reason to. Why would I want to do it? But I'm in that position that I'm able to do that for myself now. But I've, I've owned my own company since I was 19. So I've you know, always taken a leadership approach and always been the first one of my endeavors to step out and make it happen. If I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. So I don't wait for things to happen. I make them happen. And if they're not going to happen, you've got to realize just like anything, like a poker hand, when it's time to fold, when it's time to push all your chips in, or when it's time to get up and walk to another table right? Or just leave the game. <laughs> the game's not for you. <laughs> and speaking of just making things happen, you were managing your brother, Michael, and you were doing really well from a business aspect. And most people would love to be in the position you were in. But you know, you said you were going to sell everything you own, you were going to quit on the money you have, and you were going to go and make your dream come true. How scary was that risk that you took to, 
you know, leave all that behind and pursue something else? Or was there an easy decision because of how badly you wanted it? It was a decision that was made and very well thought out. And I was at a point in my life making very, very good, really good money with the one company and the other company I, I owned and was involved with. And it was just a decision that was actually at the time, because of the, how burnt out I was, I was just willing to make that decision. I wanted it. And the fact that I made that decision gave me a new challenge, which I'm always up for, that incensed me more than ever. I realized that inside the fire I had to make this happen, even though Michael looked at me and said, how are you going to do it? I mean, you're going to give all this up. How are you going to do it? I said, well, if I'm going to give all this up, you better believe I will do it. But I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but I'll figure it out. I just wanted to roll the dice. I was just willing to do it, quit with the money I had in the bank and had a beach house, huge mortgage and you know, everything that went with it and, and basically just said, I'll, I'll keep all this. I'll still make all this work. And I did, you know, no, when people look into your background, you've done a fair bit of motivational speaking in your time and you're obviously extremely successful, both in, you know, this line of work and business. And it makes me wonder if, you know, that those are mortal words. It's time. Does that mean anything deeper than just it's time for the main event? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all stemmed from the fact that for many, many years in the morning when I would wake up, look in the mirror, shaving, whatever, it's time. It's time to have the best day possible. It's time to be better than I was yesterday. I'm only as good as today, right? I don't live on my laurels. I don't talk about how I was top salesman, you know, two weeks ago, how I did a 360 in the octagon at UFC 100, 10, 12 years ago. It's not about that. Every night I go out in the octagon as well as every night that I start work, Now's the time to prove to myself that I'm the best that I can be, that I'm doing this job and deserve this job and deserve all the benefits I'm getting from all my work. So in life, when you're in business, the trip up to where you reach that success point, yes, it's tough, but that's not the toughest part to maintain it. That's the hardest part, right? I'm not saying it's impossible. If you love what you do, you love doing it. So if you don't stay on top of things, if you don't try to be the best you can be, then you start falling back down right? I'm not into falling down. I'm into staying here or moving up. And I'm constantly looking up. In your line of work where you are, you know, you're the cream of the crop. Um, and most, pe- most announcers, they look up to you to, to, to set right, the bar. You. How do you motivate yourself to find ways to keep improving? If you're at the top of the game, you know, there's not many people you can look up to and say, I need to get to that level. I need to do what they're doing. How do you know how you grow? It's all self-motivation. If you, <clears throat> I get motivated by people around me, my family, my loved ones, people that really push me. I have grand responsibilities that we all do to my family and such, and that's motivation in itself because I'm out here doing everything I do every day to not just for myself. I'm doing it for the people around me before myself, and I have a support group that I love and I have to take care of. I'm a pillar to my family, and that motivates me tremendously to do everything I need to do. They're also my biggest fans. So... I get motivated by them and I get that input and um, it just, I, it just fuels my fire. You know, I wake up every day, not going to work. I wake up every day living a lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody out there, this is why I say monetize your passions because then you're actually living a lifestyle. Sure. I'm going to, I got tons to do today. I got, I'll get more done today than most men get in, done in three days in their work. Why? Cause I'm, I've just been that way my whole life. I don't lag. Give me my cup of coffee. Let me go to work. You know, just do what it takes. But I got to remember, I love what I do. You know, today I'm going to work on my toiletry line. I'm on the Puncher's Chance Bourbon I have coming out. I got work on that. I've got videos to film. I've got uh, 
proposals to write, you know, at, at home, my fight cards for UFC coming up on Saturday. I probably will be working 12 hours today. People think sometimes all I do is I walk in the octagon and do my thing. Yeah, I do that, but that's my weekend warrior. Boy Scouts go to camp. I'm away for the weekend. During the week, I work like everybody else, you know, and, and again, if you love what you do, then it's just what I do. I'm going to have a lot of fun today. I'm not going to be grinding going, oh, I got so much work. No, I'm going to be, I can't wait to get to the next thing. Is that saying that, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work another day in your life. And yeah, true. there's so many people out there who, you know, they're making that five for two trade. So they trade in five days of their life in a job they hate to get two days back on the weekend. Are you the type of person that, you know, through loving what you do, you want to live, you want to get that Friday feeling every day of the week, not just at the end as a reward? I do, but you got to remember that my Fridays are usually hopping on a plane and going to work on the weekend. So I'm working seven days a week, <laughs> if you want to call it work. <laughs> it is work, but it's a different kind of work. It's pleasurable work. One thing I really wanted to ask you, because you know, in what you do, you have the world watching you in, in one moment, and it's, it's live TV. So any slip up, for example, it's, it's, it can't be edited in, in that quick space of time. How do you personally manage pressure when you know, you're the messenger of the night, the whole world's watching, and if you slip up, it's on a global scale? Do you feel that pressure, and how do you, you know, manage it? No, I thrive on it. Yeah? It, it gets me going. I thrive on it. And, and also, too, one of the aspects for me that um, works for me is I never rehearse. Oh, wow. So, no, no. I want to go out there, feel the energy of the crowd when we have crowds. <laughs> and... Um, even without a crowd, I can still bring that energy because I've done so many movies and TVs and videos, you know, through my, at my site, BruceBuffer.com, you know, we provide championship intros and videos and audio recordings to fans and business, birth of babies, you name it, I do it. And a lot of those when our video are in front of green screen, right? And I've got to give my all to make that video work. Or maybe I'm in a movie and I'm acting in front of a green screen and I got to give my all to make it work. So when I walk down to the octagon with no, uh, nobody in the audience in Jacksonville a few weeks ago, as I will this Saturday, it was just me and the fighters, it's me and the eye of the tiger, you know, and, I, and I'm announcing them and bringing them to that top moment. So it's no problem. Mm -hmm. I can do it. I think I'm getting away from your initial question, but um, no, I got nervous. My first uh, fight, at, you know, by my Puerto Rico UFC eight, obviously, because the first time I walked out, but it's like fighting, you know, whenever I would fight or spar or whatever, you know, first punch you take first punch you land and any nervousness you have goes out the door because every fighter's nervous before a fight. Right. But now when I walk into the octagon, I don't get nervous. I just get excited. It's my adrenaline working. And the fact that I don't rehearse, I go out there and do it organically. And that way it works for me better because there's a rehearsal voice and there's an announcer voice. So I, I'll you know, get the names down phonetically. That, and that, if you want to call that rehearsing, I'll make sure I have their names down. But anything else, I don't know what I'm going to do until I do it. And that's the way it works. It works better for me. And you truly are one of the guys that you actually sort of the fighters let you into their space. You sort of, they, yeah. they sort of use you. Like I think of Dan Hardy or uh, TJ Dillashaw, for example, all these guys that love having you part of their, you know, their pre-fight buildup. Um, and in saying that you've shared the space with so many phenoms. So, you know, John Jones, Silva, McGregor, Rousey, Nunes, you're around all these successful people, the cream of the crop. Have you noticed any common traits they share that sort of separate the best from the rest? Is it their, you know, is it their confidence? Is it their mindset? What have you noticed among the elite? 
Well, among the elite, they have what I call the it factor. And the, not that other fighters don't, but the it factor is not just how great you fight. It's the chemistry and charisma that you provide uh, the fans. It's the way you carry yourself in and out of the octagon, you know, and, and you have it factor people that come along like George St. Pierre and, and they cut, they don't come along every year all the time. And uh, Israel Adesanya has got an it factor. Ronda Rousey had the it factor. Conor McGregor, of course, had the it factor, has the it factor. Um, John Jones, you know, an it factor there too. It's just, it, it, it's something that just comes out. It's, it's almost like it's charisma, but you can almost, you can feel the passion and the realism for what they are setting out to do. You know, Conor McGregor getting 188 euros a month from welfare in Ireland, you know, going on to have, you know, 20 million in the bank or whatever it was, and then getting a major payday and working it out with the boxing event he did with Floyd Mayweather. I mean, who, who pulls that off? You have to have an it factor to pull that off. And that it factor can be in fans loving you. It could be in fans disliking you. And, you know, connor has got fans that like him and dislike him, you know, from recent antics over the years. But the bottom line is, is that everybody's going to pay that pay-per-view and everybody's going to watch that pay-per-view and he's got everybody captivated. Right. So when Connor speaks, people listen, you know, and it's just the way it goes. We've got to have the it factor to make that happen. And the man's got it. So it, it's, it doesn't come along with everybody. And, and a lot of people try to copy it, but, Again, organically, and if it's in you naturally, it comes out real. If you try to fake it and try too hard, as some fighters try too hard to trash talk, it doesn't come out real, right? So we look at it and we accept it a little differently. And it causes people to stand out more or less, whatever. So there's many variables involved. But basically, bottom line is you either have it or you don't. You either realize you have it and exercise it and make it better, or you don't realize it because you don't realize what you have and you missed out. What advice would you give to those out there who, you know, they may have been lucky enough to find their passion? Um, and it might be an obscure one. For example, yours, there was no clear pathway to success for an announcer when you sort of entered the sphere. What would your advice be to those, you know, starting out in their field and, and you know, not knowing the route to success? How do they go about finding it? Very good question, and I'll tell you how I did it all my life. And this goes back to the first time I got a job as a telemarketer at 18 years old in college and walked into the offices and saw these people selling on telephones, and I realized I, I looked at the best person. You, when, you, when you go into something, pick three people in your field that are successful. Pick three companies in the company field that you want to go into a business for that are successful. Look at them up and down, in and out, analyze them, see what makes them successful, what makes them tick. I'm not saying copy. What I'm saying is learn from them and mold it into your own individual personality and apply those success factors that they did, or it's obvious that they're doing, to your own personality and go for it. And then develop your own style as a result of observing what other people do and bringing it into what works for you. You will be recognized in life, especially let's say as an announcer, or somebody wants to be an announcer, you won't be recognized and stand out by saying, it's time for this, let's get ready for this. Let me be Bruce Buffer and move physically. I see people trying to copy you know, the way I move and it's like, first off, you're gonna hurt your hip. <laughs> Second off, that's not your style, right? Get your own style and you will be recognized for yourself. When I got in the business of announcing, if anybody could have copied somebody, it was me. My brother's the greatest announcer of all time, the legendary Michael Buffer, known for Let's Get Ready to Rumble. I did not want to be, quote, Frank Sinatra Jr. I wanted to be Bruce Buffer, right? No offense to Frank Sinatra Jr., but I told myself if I couldn't develop my own style, be recognized, 
for bringing something to the announcing game that nobody else has brought <clears throat> in the first two, three years and realize that this is something that's going to catch on. And that's, that's Bruce Buffer. If you recognize for me, then I was going to quit. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have that job. I either wanted to make my mark, be recognized by Mark, be recognized by my individuality, and then concentrate on the evolutionary process of becoming the best announcer I can be for my style. Mm. And that takes time, you know, and eventually it's, it's a process. You can see, if you look at the way I've announced over the years, I've gotten to this tone of the way I love to announce now. And that's me. That's pure passion, which allows the fighters, they recognize that they allow me to enter their space. They interact with me like Dan Hardy, which was amazing, you know. TJ Dillashaw, uh, Michael Chiesa now, you know, he, he gets me on the forehead with his forehead sometimes. It, these are great moments. And it's also um, a, a tremendous compliment to me. And I'm very humble about everything I do. Um, <clears throat> but it's not about the paycheck for me. I'll be the first one to cash the paycheck on a Monday. Trust me at the bank. But I'm there for the experience and, and everything goes into it. And again, that all comes back to passion. If everybody around me makes money's happy and healthy, I know it'll all come back to me. I have a very unselfish theory. Of, of when I work with people. That's fantastic advice, Bruce. And who are some of the people you've learned the most from in life? So maybe mentors you've had or people you look up to? Definitely my father. Yeah. My father was my biggest teacher and biggest disciplinarian. <laughs> Probably got me in more fights and introduced me to more girls than any best friend I ever had in my <laughs> life. <laughs> but he, you know, Marine for 13 years, ran Fortune 500 companies here in the United States, never graduated high school, worked his way up the business ladder, you know, salesman extraordinaire, entrepreneur extraordinaire, uh, a man of class and, and just, uh, if you know these actors, he's the old breed. It's kind of like John Wayne, Steve McQueen, and Errol Flynn all rolled up into one. You know, he walked in a room, people wanted to meet him, fight him, know him, whatever. The charisma was there. A natural born leader. That's the father I had. I'd walk in a room and he'd say, I'd say, Dad, how are you? Son, project your voice. Let them know you're in the room. Chest out, shoulders back. You know, that doesn't happen very much today. You know, it's an old breed type mentality, but I still carry it. And I instill it in my two boys too. I want them to be the best they can be, be able to handle what comes at them, whether it's this or whether it's this. Mm. They got to know how to handle both. Amazing. So what are your learning materials now? Where do you look to grow? Are you a, are you a reader? Are there any books yes. in particular? So what books, for example, have you read in your life that have had a big impact on you? I'm not one to read the motivational books. Okay. I'm one to go out and do things to motivate myself mm -hmm. and learn from them, which is what I teach in my motivational speeches. Um, I'm really, I love fiction and I love history. I'm mm -hmm. a big collector of uh, military antique weapons and artifacts. I don't hunt, but I'm a collector of weapons. I'm a big collector of movie memorabilia, sports memorabilia. Um, I have very many varied interests and my reading fuels uh, the knowledge that I need for those interests. I'm a lover of biographies. I'm a film buff. I could talk movies all day long. Um, you know, I have outside interests that drive me. You know, something that uh, gives me a different taste in life that I can go and, and get different flavors from, right? So I'm, I'm very, 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 very. There's no book that's really stood out that said, that's the way I need to lead my life, like a Zig Ziglar book or Tony mm -hmm. Robbins. I'm not that kind of book reader. I sit in an audience listening to them speak. And the only thing I think about is that I should be on that stage. That's all I think about. You know, I want to tell my story. I'm not saying I'm better than them. Don't get me wrong. But in life, life's like, I've said this before, but life's like a pyramid. Okay. 
and at the top is the the grandfather, the parents, the matriarch. You know, everybody that runs the family down to the kids in business, the president, the CEO, the vice presidents, down to the base of the people that pack the boxes, answer the phones, you know, do whatever. Who's the most important? They're all important because yes, the top runs it, but if the base doesn't stay strong, it all falls apart. Okay, so I know I'm giving you a lot of different stuff and maybe getting off track here a little bit, but. Uh, I find that experience in life, observation in life, watching other people do what they do and learning why and how they do it is one of the greatest teachers of anything. My dad, when we were kids uh, traveling Europe, one of the things he did, we would sit in the great hotels, uh, these great hotels in Europe, and he would just have us watch people. And he said, we're going to sit here for a half hour. Just watch people. Watch how they interact. Watch what they do and tell me what you learned in the last, the last half hour. I'm telling you, observation and learning from observing real life is one of the greatest teachers of anything. Two quick fire questions for you to finish. Um, out of all the fights you've seen, not the best fight, which fight has evoked the most emotion in you? So hard, so hard to say that. I, I've seen every fight in the world and all the fights in the USC for 24, 25 years. Excellent question. And a question I get asked, you know, in different ways, different times, it's really hard to answer. All I could do is give you examples of great fights. To say one is the one that I got uh, emotional about the most, you know, it ranges. I mean, there's ones where I see people winning and then I'll see BJ Penn and like his next to last, third last fight where his arms are down and he's just taking punches and punches. And this is like my little Hawaiian brother. We've partied together. I know his family, everything. I'm holding back tears watching my, my little brother get the crap kicked out of him, you know, and not defending himself. That's an emotional moment, right? Then you have an emotional moment when Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner go at it. And you realize that that fight meant everything to the future of the UFC. And, and they gave Stephen Bonner a six-figure contract. And I jump in the air like a kid or I go off character and say, this is the greatest fight you've ever seen or however I worded it. That's an emotional moment. You know, there, there's so many. And that's the beauty of the job. I have one emotional moment or see a great fight. And two months later, two weeks later, <laughs> I have another emotional moment. And I see what's the greatest fight I've ever seen. You know, I'm very lucky to do what I do. Love what I do. Last question I have for you. Um, out of all the things you've learned in your life, all the lessons, all the experiences, if you had to boil them down to sort of one defining lesson or message that you would give to every person on the planet, what would Bruce Buffer's message to the world be? Honesty is the best policy. Don't lie. I lie at the poker table because it's legal. I want all your <laughs> chips. I'm doing business with you. I'm in a relationship with you. I'm in a friendship with you. You're my family. Don't lie. You lie to me. I don't care how much money we make, what, what level we're at in our friendship. I'm gone. I'm done. You know, I don't, I don't like liars. I don't like conceited, arrogant people. The thing about telling lies is, A, you're not fulfilling uh, a positive destiny for yourself. You have to spend too much time thinking about the lies you told, who you told them to, to back them up in the future. It's a complete waste of time, right? Go in there. Be the best you can be. Be honest. Be direct. Look them in the eye. Make yourself known, make your mark in life, and be a role model to everybody around you and teach how to teach how to teach and be the best of what you can do because that way people will look up to you. And if you're a leader, lead by example. Don't tell people to do something if you can't do it yourself, okay? Unless you're a policeman or whatever and you're doing the law or you're a CEO and you're whatever. I'm just saying, if you're going to tell somebody how to do something, then come from a point of experience and, expert, and being an expert. You know, otherwise learn it and then teach it. 
I gave Bruce, you a few things there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you so much for the value you've brought to our audience today. It's an absolute honor. I've been a lifelong fan of yours. And oh, thank you. best of skill on the weekend, my friend. I appreciate it very much. And if anybody out there wants a motivating like championship introduction to get you going, if you're really a UFC fan, I will do an audio or a video for you. And I'm not trying to sell anything because we, you know, I know they, there's a small price to pay, but they're so inexpensive. And we give partial proceeds to COVID-19 animal military and children charities. But we're so busy with that. And people are looking for entertainment with their stay at home sequestering we're going through right now. And that's another thing. We'll get through this. We'll be stronger than ever. But do what you have to do in your local areas, your communities to follow the rules of safety so we can beat this pandemic and come back stronger than ever. And one last little bit of advice. By the way, the recordings and I'll check out BruceBuffer.com and, and I'm happy to take your requests and, and I'll do what I can. Keep them classy and everything will be good. Um, now's the time when you're home alone, you should concentrate on being in the best physical and mental shape you can be in. I personally have lost 15 pounds, not because I was overweight. I was in fine shape. I'm in better shape now. I'm getting in the best physical and mental shape and I'm 63 years old and I'm still tackling it. And I always have been an athlete my whole life because the world is our oyster. And you've got to be in the best health. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much you have. If you don't have the health to enjoy it all, you'll see. It's not going to be as much fun, right? Exactly, so. man. I'm feeling so motivated. I'll make sure to link the website and you know the, the place where you can order those videos in the description below for everyone so they can go and click and check it out. Oh, it's very nice of you. Thank you so much. Big cheers and no fear forever. Give it all 100%. So that wraps up our conversation with Bruce Buffer. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We will be back on Monday morning with a full hour-long episode for all you guys. Until then, please follow us on Instagram at Freedom Pact. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get video versions of the podcast at Freedom Pact. And visit the website freedompact.co.uk you can find absolutely everything there we'll see you guys on monday